Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so delighted today to come to you. This is now uh, Wednesday, uh, July the 1st of 2020. Uh, this is now the beginning already in July. It, it doesn't seem, I don't know how the days have passed, but just in March we began to, to do these podcasts, and we are already heading to our fifth month. Uh, hours upon hours <laughs> of studying the Word of God and, and so much that we have been able to glean. And so we are so glad today that you are able to join us on this series uh, that we have begun on John chapter 3 on the meeting of Nicodemus with Jesus at night. And so as we are discussing these things, I know God is going to reveal uh, some things to us and and perhaps we're going to be able to see some things that we have never um, seen before in this passage and clues and, and things that God is showing us, type shadows that we are seeing. And and there's so much uh, that we have spoken about in the last uh, two days on this sub subject, specifically on the history of how this meeting came about. So I'm excited about today as we continue to study and glean of what God is showing us from this story. It is always a pleasure to be here with the panel, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, and Brother Jeremiah, to be able to study the Word of God together. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what's in your heart today. Well, we're here at podcast number three in our series of Nicodemus, who came to the Lord at night. And, and we really, the first few days, really went back and came up to chapter three uh, by way of history so that uh, we pray the Lord will, um, if you're just joining us, you'd go back and listen to those uh, first two podcasts on Nicodemus because we went on some really cool journeys and, and looked at, at all the events that led up to probably one of the most famous chapters in all the word of God, because within this chapter three, uh, verse one through 21, it speaks of the meeting uh, between the Lord and, and, and the great master in Israel, Nicodemus. And so uh, we want to begin today uh, at uh, at uh, John chapter 3, and we hope that you have your Bibles with us uh, so that you can follow along in what we're going to cover today. Brother Jeremy, could you begin reading for us um, in verse 8 through 11, please? Verse 8 through 11. Yes. <clears throat> The wind bloweth where it listed, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but but canst not tell when it cometh and whether it goeth. So it is so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Are thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do not know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. Jesus said in verse 11, truly, truly, I say unto you, we speak that we do know, and we testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Praise the Lord. So we're picking it up again. We talked about uh, what we've been exploring. Uh, to me, it's it's one of the most incredible accounts uh, of, of a meeting between 
the Lord and, and Nicodemus. It's an incredible thing uh, that Nicodemus came to, to search him out. And as we talked about in verse 1, the Bible talks about uh, how, how he was a ruler of the Jews, which means he was part of that exclusive elite um, authority in the nation known as the Sanhedrin, the 70, uh, a body of of, uh, of guides spiritually, politically, and in every other way, as uh, judicially, as judges, that had been instituted during the times of Moses, <clears throat> way back when Moses complained that it was it was getting to be too much for him to take care of all those people and handle all his duties, so God uh, instituted the Sanhedrin, the 70 elders chosen from amongst the tribes of Israel to help and guide uh, the nation as a whole. And that's what would happen. Uh, you know, this 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 body of of rulers would be instituted and they would, uh, you know, take care of the nation throughout thousands of years of history. And so Nicodemus was one of the privileged, highly uh, blessed men in the nation and that he was selected to, to, to be this, this ruler. He was of the Pharisees. And like we talked about before, you know, they, they get a bad rap <clears throat> because Pharisees come to be kind of a bad word in, in, in the Christian Judeo-Christian circles here. Uh, but really the Pharisees were an ex a select group of men who, who had in their hearts a desire to please God, a desire to, to serve God. And, and, and many of them were, were really truly noble and holy men that God selected, Nicodemus being one of them, Joseph of Arimathea, Gamaliel mentioned in the book of Acts, and then, of course, probably the most famous of all Pharisees, uh, the great apostle Paul. Uh, and so, so they were a, a particular kind of, 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 uh, of sect or, or, or leadership within the house of God that endeavored to seek God at an incredibly high and deep level. And Nicodemus being the, the, the top of the top, you know, this is who comes to see Jesus. And like we were talking about, and you guys jump in anytime you want, the, the background of this, you know, it was after an incredible day uh that that we witnessed which we which we explored in chapter two that he came that night uh it's the passover season it's jesus's first uh public display of his authority over the house of god we we covered the the history that led up to this moment but jesus is a little over 30 years old and and now he enters in to his public ministry at the very first passover uh he had come to john the baptist uh, baptism to be baptized with John, which we explored yesterday, uh, just a few weeks before this event where Nicodemus would come to him. And we know from the scripture now uh, and the historical narrative that's given that after the baptism of John, where he was identified as the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, the Bible tells us that Jesus was immediately driven into the wilderness. And that's where we have the famous account of, of his uh, warfare in his battle against the devil himself, Satan himself, where he would be tested in three particular ways: the pride of life, the the lust of the eyes, and 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 the and, and the lust of the flesh. That's how the devil came at him. Remember the first temptation that he had was, you know, turn these stones into bread. And the Lord told the devil, you know, thou shalt, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then the second one is the devil took him to a high pinnacle on the temple in Jerusalem and 
challenged him to throw himself off if he was really the son of God because and then the devil quoted scripture to him and said, for it is written uh, that he will give his angels charge over thee, uh, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. And, and the Lord responded by saying, uh, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then the final uh, temptation that the Lord experienced in the wilderness uh, was when he carried him into a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and offered them to him if only he would bow down and worship him. And and the Lord responded powerfully. The spirit of the Lord speaking through the Lord said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, him only will you serve. At speaking those words, the Bible tells us the devil left him immediately for a season. And Jesus came out of the wilderness, the Bible tells us, full of power, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist would testify of the Lord that, that the Lord had the Spirit of God without measure. You know, he, he is God manifested in the flesh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, you know, it, it's, it's shortly after this, uh, he begins to assemble his disciples. And you can read that in John chapter 1 and, and 2, you know, and and. and and they're up there in Galilee, up there with the fishermen, so forth and so on. And then the Passover season arrives, and it's the first Passover. When he comes into the temple, he announces himself as the Son of God, the master of the house. Chapter 2, we read about it. Um, he cleansed the temple. He, he came in during the Passover season, fulfilling really the law, in that he cleansed his father's house of leaven by driving out all the money changers all the people that were selling stuff in the house. And by this time, as we talked about yesterday, and again, we, we encourage you to go back and listen to it, uh, we know and, and that it, there has been about 28 years, 29 years of incredible signs in the heavens uh, that led to the birth of the Messiah, the activity that was taking place with John the Baptist, you know, his father in the temple who had a vision of the archangel Gabriel who told him that, his son was going to be the forerunner of the king of kings and that he would prepare his way. And and all these things and many others that we talked about yesterday were transpiring and alerting that ruling class of which Nicodemus was one of them of the Sanhedrin, all of them paying attention that activity had come into the planet and that Jerusalem and Israel was, was, uh, was experiencing after 400 years of prophetic silence. At the closing of the book of Malachi, as we've talked about, up until that point, suddenly things were happening again. And so when the Lord comes in on that day, uh, which is, brings us to the third chapter, uh, he cleanses the temple. He's, he's questioned as to what his authority is that he has to do this. And he talks about the resurrection. When he, when they, when he says, you tear down this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. They didn't understand what he was saying, but he was already proclaiming that he had the right to cleanse the house, and he would indeed pay uh, uh, the price of salvation for all of us, and that the proof of that would be that he would raise from the dead. So it was an incredible day, and it's during the Passover season. And if you get into some deeper study, you'll find out that the, the Hebrew calendar, uh, the month of Nisan, is the beginning of years. It's the beginning of everything. It's the beginning of spring. If you go back into the Exodus account of the Passover, you'll find there that Moses was told of God just prior to the night and days leading up to their deliverance, that is the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt, 
that God instituted the month of Nisan as the beginning of the Hebrew calendar. And he told him, this will be the beginning of months. This is what you start your calendar with, this deliverance and this lamb which you're going to slay, the blood that you're going to put on the doorpost of the house, and, and the Passover of the death angel, all of it, and all that story you can go back and read in Exodus. <clears throat> you'll see that, that Nisan became the first month. So we know the time frame when Jesus came into the Passover in Jerusalem and made his announcement at 30 years old as he cleansed the temple. And all the events we've been talking about had caused a great stir to take place amongst this, this court of rulers, this Sanhedrin, the high priest, the, the chief priest, the scribes, the lawyers, the scholars, all of them. We're at the headquarters of the Temple of Jerusalem. And so that day when the Lord comes and cleanses, and I'm going quickly through this, again, listen to podcast one and two on these stories and, and we'll fill in some blanks. But we want to get into some stories here now and get deeper into the chapter. Because after that incredible day where the Lord cleansed the temple and, and really confronted the, the ruling religious elite uh, uh, and announced his presence really uh, as as the Lord of the house, he 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 departs and and that's where we pick up the story today as we did the other day at that moment you know later that evening uh when things had settled down uh nicodemus uh, is drawn to the lord and he he comes to him and and seeks him out and 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 he begins to to ask the lord or tell the lord something can you read that to us in verse 2 brother jeremy what did Nicodemus say when he came that night to the Lord? Verse 2. He said, The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And then Jesus would reply to him and say, Truly I say unto you, truly, truly I say unto you, except a man is born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. So what we read there is, you know, again, remember just how shaken Nicodemus was. You know, I think that we, we, we really forget uh, just how astounding that whole event was when the Lord cleansed the house. I mean, he literally shook up the, the apple cart. And like we talked about, there's thousands and thousands of people in Jerusalem at this time. This is Passover. This is the first Passover that Jesus comes to as the functioning son of the living God entered into his public ministry after all that we talked about, you know, the baptism of John, the victory over the devil in the wilderness, uh, the going forth and selecting Peter, James, John, Andrew, and the disciples, and then coming into Israel. And all along the way, as they headed to this Passover, he's performing miracles, preaching astounding messages. Thousands are following him. His ministry, his fame, his reputation is growing, and he makes his way into this scene during Passover and literally shakes up uh, the establishment, confronts it. He doesn't even do it slowly. He just comes right in the house and takes charge. So you can imagine Nicodemus coming at night to the Lord, you know, the, the kind of feeling, maybe even the apprehension he may have had. Yet something was drawing him. There was something that was affecting him individually. He's the only one who came. And whether he came as a representative of others, we don't know. But he did say, we know that thou art a teacher sent from God. So that indicates right. that 
that the, the little group, right, that he was with were discussing, who is this dude, right? I mean, that's basically what they were saying. Right. Who is this guy? You know, uh, and, and, and so they came to that conclusion, well, he's got to be from God, you know, because we're hearing of these miracles and all this stuff he's doing. He's got to be about from God. And so he comes to the Lord. And 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 that's what John chapter three is all about. The the, the Lord and and Nicodemus's meeting at night on that Passover night. And so the and and as Nicodemus is talking in verse two, like Jeremy just read, he start he initiates the conversation. He calls him rabbi. He calls him a teacher, and he calls him uh, and he says that God is with him. Three things that he identifies. And and what they had been meditating on, you couldn't do what you're doing unless God was with you. That's kind of how what they came to that conclusion. But Jesus interrupts that, right? Doesn't that sound like a good thing to say to somebody? <laughs> yeah. Right. right? Uh, you would think, oh man, you know, success. We've got one of the rulers acknowledging me, but but look how Jesus responds. He, he, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> right. I mean, Jesus responds. No, that's, that's, that's what the that's what the modern preacher seeks, right? It's, it's approval, uh, right? Yeah. Approval, opportunity, and uh, that, that's that's not what what Jesus is there for. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like the way you put that approval and opportunity because that is what we're saying. I mean, and that's what the Lord is revealing in this story. It, it it's really intense. I mean, and I and I, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> how do we say this? Because. Because Jesus is a, he, that's why they call him the master, right? I mean, these kinds of events that seem to be, you know, what, uh, what's the right word? To see to be uh, innocuous, that's a fancy word, that seem to be just on the surface what they are. You know, I come here, you know, we know you're from God. We would believe you're a teacher, uh, that, that, God, that God is with you, you know, and you're doing all these miracles. You you called it opportunity. Yes, that's an excellent thing to say because here we see uh, the the beauty of our master. Because mere men of lesser quality and degree, uh, like you said, in the modern day and, and throughout generations, you know, in every religious setting, they seek for opportunity. It's almost as if this is being presented and these these nice things he's saying. You're a rabbi. You're a teacher. And, and you're doing miracles, it's almost as if it's a veiled temptation from the enemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and, and Jesus doesn't even acknowledge it. The temptation would be, okay, you're being accepted. Maybe you're going to have this cool high-level meeting, right? And And it appears that he's come to him to try and figure out how can we help you we believe this about you and this you're a rabbi you're a teacher we, we heard right. you're doing miracles and if you're really doing miracles we know that god has to be with you because otherwise that couldn't be he's he's basically assessing his ministry to him and and he doesn't mm-hmm. even he doesn't even acknowledge it mm-hmm. he, right he, he he's the master he doesn't even engage in the conversation with Nicodemus. He doesn't acknowledge anything that he's just said. But what he does do <laughs> is tell him, 
you're not discerning the whole scene correctly, bro. I mean, that's what he tells him. Right. He says, mm-hmm. right? He says that the truth is the kingdom of God has has come. The kingdom of God has come. Hallelujah. And it's present in your midst, and you can't see it. Yes. So you see me as rabbi. You see me as teacher. You see me, uh, or you've heard that I've done miracles. And you've concluded God must be with me. Uh, he, <laughs> the truth is you're <laughs> blind because God isn't right. with me, right? He said God has I come am. to you. <laughs> yes. And, Hallelujah. Right, it's a powerful how the Lord responds, right? It, it, it's it's masterful. It's it's beautiful. It's something that we can learn from. And so and so he interrupts him and he goes into this incredible revelation. You know, I'm not here to promote my ministry. I'm not here to take over an earthly kingdom. There's there's other work that has to be done here. And, and it's going to begin, Nicodemus, by you understanding something. And as a matter of fact, you can't even see how the kingdom of God functions until you're born again. This just throws him for a loop, right? Chapter 3, verse 3, until you're born again, you can't even see what God's doing, man. And this is a master. This is, this is, see, if you're a member of the Sanhedrin, you're not only a genius in the scripture, but you're a high level individual in the understanding of, of the sciences, of astronomy. You, you speak multiple languages. You know how to govern yourself in very, very elite circles amongst the political elite and the, and the powerful elite of your day. And, and so you're very familiar with, with all kinds of incredibly deep subjects and you're a master over over all of them or you wouldn't even be considered to be part of the Sanhedrin and Jesus then has the audacity to completely ignore his his flowery rhetoric of their assessment of him and tell him you're absolutely blind <laughs> you can't see anything mm. and and you're the guide of the nation you know and and and, and you're the problem basically all you guys because the truth is, you need to be born again. And, and and Nicodemus couldn't understand. Jesus takes his mind in a direction. And that's why Nicodemus starts going, well, well, how can I go back into my mother's womb, right? And he talks to him about being born again of water and the spirit. And, and those are very deep subjects, but but maybe we'll explore them later. But But let's move on, because the meeting that we're talking about here, more likely uh, from what I was reading and some of the historical things I've I've been studying, like we talked about in the first podcast, they're actually meeting quite possibly at John, the Apostle John's house. We talked about John is the one who, he's the only one who records this event. The other three Gospels are silent on it. And so it's led uh, church historians to believe that John himself uh, was a priest, which is why that God uh, had John write and pay attention to all these kinds of, of things that had to do with the temple, with the feast days, and all the really intricate things that pertain to the festivals of Israel, so forth and so on. And so it's possible that this meeting actually took place at, at, at John's house, his little apartment, because once a year for 30 days out of the year, uh, if you were a Levite, uh, you would be up in, uh, in in priestly service, and you'd come once a month in your cycle. They would cycle through the through the twelve courses of Levi, which were spread across the land in the different twelve tribe territories, 
and and so you know when John was coming uh, to serve as as priest, it's more than likely he had some sort of a residence there in Jerusalem where he would he would live and 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 sleep and rest in between his priestly duties once uh, once a month, once a year. And so this is why some historians believe that Nicodemus knew where Jesus was because he knew John. And we talked about that the other day that how. John had access to to Caiaphas's house, to Annas's house. Uh, we showed in in the in the story the other day how he had to go and give permission to let Peter into the house. Remember, because they kept Peter outside, and he went and, and and talked to the doorkeeper and said, "Let him in. He's cool. He can come in." Well, it shows the the kind of access that John had. And and the reason I'm I'm laying that out is is because it's fascinating how Nicodemus comes in the middle of the night because. Because what Jesus is about to unfold to him and how he begins to talk to him, if we can understand where they were, the location, and quite possibly look into uh, or at least speculate on what must have been the visual that was taking place as God, speaking through the Lord, of course, he is God, um, was revealing. So, uh, and you can find much of this background. His, I recommend to those of you who are Bible students out there, uh, to, to get this book, it's called The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. It was written in the 1800s, <laughs> and it's available on Amazon. It was written by Alfred Erdersheim, and it's very, very in-depth. It has Erdersheim was a Jewish man who converted to Christianity, very familiar with, with the early writings of, 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 the, of the Jews and so forth and so on. He got saved and became one of the great scholars of the uh, 19th century. So a lot of this background that I'm talking to you about, I've gotten from those books, and I think it'll bless you. And they're they're more in-depth study, but for the serious student, it's good. So let's move on. So it's quite possible he was at John's house that night when he came searching for Jesus after that tumultuous day we've been describing. And as I was meditating on that uh, this morning, it's it's fascinating because what I read about the houses of, of, of those days is that whenever you would congregate, like we go out and sit on our patio or on our porch, um, they would climb up to the third story or second story of their house, and, and they would have flat a flat roof. And that's where they would assemble things, and they would sit and recline there. And and I started thinking about that because more than likely, that's that's what happened. You know, he comes to John's little residence there where Jesus is with several of his disciples, and and, and the master goes up to the to the top of the house with Nicodemus and John obviously is sitting there because he, he he's recording this conversation and I thought about just how fascinating that would be because you know Jerusalem is made up of several hills remember what David said in the Psalms I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help I mean we have uh, we have uh, uh, Mount the Mount of Olives we have Mount Moriah uh, Hebron, you know, these different mountains and, and, and rolling hills. And, and like I said, this is a Passover that Jesus came to and Nicodemus comes at night. It's probably the 14th of Nisan or, or, or just turning into the 15th of Nisan when he comes, which means that they're right in the middle of this festival. And so there were thousands upon thousands of pilgrims that had gathered in Jerusalem from all over the country. And after that tumultuous day in the temple where the Lord cleansed the temple, uh, things had settled down, and I can imagine if they're actually sitting on the roof of John's house, there were thousands of little campfires out there that they could see on the hills, the tents of, of all the, the pilgrims that had come for this Passover festival, and he's sitting up there 
uh, with the Lord, <laughs> and uh, and they're looking out at, at, at this 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 incredible you know sight. You know, as as you know, they didn't have street lights like we do, right? There wasn't light pollution. It, it was an incredible thing to see the glowing red fires of the pilgrims that had come and it kind of sets the tone for me as the Holy Spirit makes me think, you know, because here we have this, this great leader in Israel coming to, to the son of God and together they sit in and look over the landscape of, of Jerusalem, a city, by the way, that the prophets tell us that our very Lord and savior will come back to not too many days from now and sit and rule and reign from there, a future kingdom that would come. And I don't know, uh, you know, it, again, it was the night, it was Passover. And and then I began to, to think about, you know, the unobstructed view of the sky uh, from up there. If you've ever been in the mountains, you know the, the, the kind of uh, clear skies, if you get away from the city, that you see the, the millions and millions of stars uh, that you can't see from the city. And it would be much like that for them. And, and also, uh, as I did some study, uh, I began to find out there was also a full moon. Uh, because Passover is always celebrated on the full moon. Always. That's why it fluctuates from year to year in the Hebrew calendar. It's always in Nisan, but the actual, um, you know, they, they adjust the calendar so that those days fall directly in the season of a full moon. And why is that important? We'll get into that in a second, but... But we know it was a full moon because, like I said, Passover was celebrated always and is always celebrated on the full moon. What's interesting, too, is if you dig a little deeper, you know, there were signs everywhere like we were talking about. But but again, what Jesus is about to go into and what he's about to describe to Nicodemus is is the sacrifice that would have to be paid whether he understood it at the time or not we know that he didn't but he would later but everything that jesus is about to tell this great man is going to stay with him over the next three and a half years of jesus's public ministry and he's going to remember these nights remember this meeting remember the scene you wouldn't forget it those of you who have ever experienced the presence of Lord at, at any given moment in a great way, maybe it's once or twice in your life where you just knew God was there, man. You remember the place, the time, the scene, the smells in the air. God visited you. And, and it's the same thing here. We have to understand the, the surrounding, the drama of it all, and, 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 and the weight and the presence of God. The Son of God had come to Jerusalem. Not as a child being circumcised at eight days old, not as a 12-year-old confounding the doctors of the law, but as the Son of God now fully functioning in his ministry and full of the Holy Spirit. So powerfully and magnificent was he that this great ruler came to him at night, and there they sit, viewing the thousands on the hills of Jerusalem, quite possibly staring at the Mount of Olives, where he would three years from now go and and pray and cry out to God in Gethsemane. But there's a full moon, there's stars in the sky, and, and, and the signs are everywhere. And Jesus is talking to him about heavenly things. You must be born from above, or you can't even enter the kingdom of God. There's signs everywhere, things that would be of note to Nicodemus. The Passover. Uh, and, and if you do some study, you'll find that the full moon 
um, also gave way to what was, um, you know, the constellations over the particular part of the heavens, which was the constellation of Aries. Why is this important? Because to the Jewish mind, the constellations were absolutely important. As a matter of fact, God mentions them in the book of Job. When he talks to Job about the Pleiades, he talks to Job about Orion. He talks to Job uh, uh, about the Mazarot, which are the 12 constellations that God put in the heavens. And he assigned a constellation to every tribe of, of Israel. And as a matter of fact, if you go back into the Old Testament and study how God had them encamp around the Mishkan or the tabernacle in the wilderness, you'll find that he laid out the specific tribes according to the flow of the constellations in the heavens. The modern, you know, uh, people call it the Zodiac. God called it the Mazarot. It's the gospel in the stars. It's what he painted in the stars. It's, it's such a deep level because when Jesus begins to talk about, if I talk to you about earthly things and you don't believe me, how will you believe me if I talk to you about things in the sky or above the sky in the heavens? And so literally, if we can paint this scene, it's very deep because Jesus goes on to be, begin to talk about things that the heavens themselves declared. You know, with Aries being in the sky, really Aries is, is the proper name is, is different in Hebrew, but it's the picture of the ram in the sky. And I want you to understand this, that, that Nicodemus was a master of astronomy as well. Not astrology, we're not talking about New Age stuff here, we're talking about astronomy, the understanding of the constellations in the heaven and the ancient wisdom that was given. It says this, if you remember in the book of Genesis, when God brought Abraham out, what does he direct his, his attention to? The stars in the sky. When Jacob begins to give his prophecy in Genesis 49, he, he uses the constellations as, as a launching point especially when he came to Judah and described him as a crouching lion, right? He's re referencing Leo, the constellation in the heaven, the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's where we get that term from. So I'm not out in left field here. I just want you to get a picture of what was actually taking place was so far beyond even this master in Israel, but, but not beyond Jesus because the scene was set. And so we have a Passover night, we have a full moon, we have the constellation of Aries, which is the symbol of the ram. It is, it is the representative of the ram that was caught in the bush, right? Abraham's ram. And the sacrifice is talking <laughs> to, to, to Nicodemus. Uh, the ram in the sky, you know, Israel eats the Passover. Uh, this is all going on in Nicodemus's head as he's having this conversation with the Lord and they sit on the top of that house, that roof overlooking Jerusalem and seeing Israel out there. So it's really interesting. And I said all that, and I'm not trying to be over dramatic here, but it is melodramatic to me. <laughs> the, the Lord then begins to say something to him in verse eight. Can you read that brother Jeremy in verse eight? Yes. <clears throat> The wind bloweth where it lifted, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot not but can canst not tell when it cometh, whence it cometh, and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Okay. Now th this this is how he begins to address him, and, and, and we've tried 
you know, stumblingly to paint this incredible picture when these words are about to be uttered. Um, this is this is a moment uh, of history. This is this is a mo- all heavens paying attention. The Son of God is talking to a ruler from from the Sanhedrin, and 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 so I know when he says this that he Nicodemus has now been 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 arrested, if you will, by the Holy Spirit. He's re- his mind is working a million miles an hour. He's he's already confused by half of the things Jesus has just told him. And then the Lord tells him, you know, uh, the wind blows where it wants to. You hear the sound of the wind, but you can't tell where it came from and where it's headed. And then he says, so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. You know, you hear it, but you don't know where it came from. That's kind of what he's trying to tell Nicodemus. It's not just the wind he's talking about. If you actually get into the original language, it, it's the Ruach. It's the Spirit. It's better translated that way, really. The Spirit blows where he wants to you hear the sound of the spirit just like the wind it it means both but you can't fully discern where it's all headed my lord that's what he's telling you you see these all these events that have been happening nicodemus everything that you've been seeing the thing that brought you here tonight it's my father he drew you you came to me Right, you're troubled in your spirit. You're trying to find conclusions, but he's saying, you know, you you hear it, you sense it, you feel it, but you don't understand it. You don't understand it, and you can't understand it unless you're born of the spirit. That's what he goes on to tell him. And as he's speaking at this level with him, he's trying to remember the picture we painted of everything he's looking at. And, and, and the Lord is trying to, to speak to him at that level, to get him to understand what's happening to him as an individual and really what's happening to the nation as a whole. See, these men of God, they were searching the scriptures, even when he gets in an argument with his colleagues later, about a year and a half later, when the Lord shows up uh, you know, at the Feast of Tabernacles and they're doing this water ceremony and he stands up in the middle of the temple and says, if any man thirst, right? Let him come unto me and I will give him living water. You know, later that evening, the guys get back together and they have this giant argument and, and Nicodemus begins to defend the Lord. Uh, but, but you know, they, they, they couldn't understand such things at the time. But, but that's what he's telling him. You can't understand unless you're born of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Things were happening. Things were shaking his spirit and his heart. And, and when he tells him this, what does Nicodemus say in verse 9? Brother Jeremy says, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? <laughs> and then, and then Jesus says what to him in verse, uh, in verse 10? Jesus answered and said unto him, are thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? That's incredible. Because you have a 30-year-old Jesus talking to a almost 60-year-old man here, a master, a ruler. I mean, this guy's right. got power, man. I mean, he could have brought in a whole contingent to the John's house and arrested him, but he didn't, right? I mean, he's, God's dealing with him. You know, there's so yeah. many subplots to everything we're talking about here. Because it was the spirit that drew Nicodemus to him. 
It was also the spirit that that kicked up the conversation of the other Sanhedrin members and the other Pharisees. Conversations they were having that John, you know, gives us insight to apart from this event when he comes and then reveals to him and says, you know, we know, we've come to this conclusion. You're a rabbi, you're a teacher, you're doing miracles because we've heard about it and, and we believe God's with you. I mean, that's that's we have this insight into this subplot that's going on. So the spirit is stirring and circulating at a very high level, a very high level. And what I mean by that is amongst the elite and and those that are sincere. Right. And so when he's here talking to him uh, and brings, he starts talking about the wind and all this stuff. These are men that did not understand the spirit in that way. You know the way that the Lord is talking to him about it, and 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 that's why he responds to him in verse nine and says, "How can this possibly be?" And then Jesus drills down and confronts him and, and says, "You're a master in Israel, and you don't know this." <laughs> I mean, that's, it's incredible what he tells him, uh, and, and then you know. He he's like you're supposed to be a leader of God's people. See, the Spirit of God will always bring correction. You know, Nicodemus ain't even remotely a, a, a sinner. You know, as far as you know, crazy sinners like we know today. This is a man who sincerely is seeking answers, and and what we learn from how the Lord talks to him is the path by which answers come. So rather than rehashing everything we've talked at this point, let's just drill down on what the Lord tells him here. Are you a master? So he wants to get him to begin to reflect not on what, what they say he is, but what obviously he is not. And that's a scary place to be. But the love of God through Christ exposes his deficit. You're called to lead. You're called to lead, but you don't even know the simplest thing. So there's two ways to react to that. I can get insulted and leave, or I can reflect upon it and allow God to have his work in my life, which is what he would do with Nicodemus, right? Because ultimately Nicodemus would become a defender of the Lord and be the one with Joseph of Arimathea who would have that high honor of taking care of the Lord and, and, and laying his body in the grave. Uh, I mean, it's incredible the journey that he would take that brought him to that point uh, where he would even bury the Lord. Uh, that, that was, that was high level development, right? So he wants him to understand how is it that you can't understand even the simplest of things. He goes on in verse 11. Can you read verse 11, brother Jeremy? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. In verse 12, if I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Exactly. So this is what he begins to reveal to him. When he says in verse 11, I say unto you, we speak that, we do know, we testify what we've seen, and you receive not our witness. He's basically answering the question that he was confronted with earlier that day 
when they asked him, what sign do you show us? What verification do you have for this authority? And so he, he lays out his public ministry as a sign and as the authority for why he should be recognized for, uh, as the Messiah, even though they couldn't understand it at the time. But he's literally saying, the testimony is all around you. The testimony that's been given you has happened in the stars uh, when the Magi followed those stars and came to, 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 to pay honor to me. The testimony was in the angels that appeared uh, to the shepherds in the field, which you all know about because it, it rumored all across Jerusalem. The testimony is when Simeon lifted me up as a baby and, and proclaimed me as a light to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. The testimony, and you know this because you heard about this 12-year-old boy who confounded the doctors of the law when I was 12. The testimony of John the Baptist who said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And, and you sent emissaries to him to ask him about the Messiah, to ask him who he was, and he pointed you to me. He even told you at the time that I was standing among you and have been for almost 30 years, and you don't even know who I am. And he says, We've testified of these things. And God himself testified at my baptism when I came up out of the water. And said, this is my beloved son. <laughs> I mean, all of these things, along with the massive crowds that were starting to follow him, uh, who were testifying all over Israel of this great prophet that had arisen. There's rumors that he turned water into wine. I mean, this is, this is Jesus. And I'm here. And he says to you, if I, it, it, we have testified of, of these things, and, and you don't believe our witness. And he says, if we've, if, if the earthly things, the things that have been happening in plain sight aren't enough to cause you to believe, I can't take you to another level. How are you going to believe if I take you deeper, Nicodemus, about heavenly things? And so, are you with me? Yes, man. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so then he goes on and, and he says something really cool in verse 13. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Yes says, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And then verse 14. <laughs> and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Wow. Brother Fernando, why were you chuckling? Well, he's he's really blowing his mind now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He, he's uh, it, it, you wonder, you know, he, he already uh, confirmed that he doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. He just uh, he just he just keeps going deeper and deeper, and he's like, by this time, he's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what do? <laughs> but yeah. But he's heading he's heading somewhere. You know, yes, he, 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 he knows it, some of the things that he's talking about. He knows that he's well aware of, like what we get, yes. like what we just read, uh, the serpent in the wilderness. So he, yeah. he's, he's helping him out. Right. So to speak. That's to, right. And to, that, that's fully, to fully leading. understand. Yes. Yeah. That's where he's leading him to. And it's so profound where he leads him to, because he, 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 he leads him to the serpent in the wilderness. But before he gets there, he says he says something really interesting in verse 13. He says, no man has ascended up to heaven, 
but he that came down from heaven. This is powerful because what he was just talking to him about is you don't believe the most obvious earthly things, right? And then when he goes on in verse 12 and says, so how can I even begin to remotely talk to you about the things that are in heaven? I can't because if you look up that word heavenly thing, it literally means he's literally saying above the arc of the sky. I mean, I can't talk to you beyond the clouds. I can't go up into the universe and into the very throne room of God with you because you don't even believe the most obvious things that have been set before you for the last three decades. You know, and, and really yeah, before yeah. that, I'm going to take you all the way back to the wilderness so that you'll know that what you now see in front of you. The Son of the Living God has been being proclaimed from the very beginning of the establishment of the nation. And Moses did it. And 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 I'm gonna to talk to you about that in a minute. So he begins to talk about this. He says, So no man has ascended up to heaven but he that came down from him. What he's literally telling this master in Israel is that you can't go higher or ascend or elevate in your spiritual understanding. You can't go there. And in essence, what he's literally saying, because remember what he goes on to say, and we'll we'll, we'll close it out tomorrow with with this portion tomorrow. We'll get to that part where he says that that light has come into the world. That's what he's talking about to him. He's he's leading him there, like you said, well, brother Fernando, he's leading him somewhere. And, and he begins now to talk to him about, there is, you guys, remember what he says in John chapter 6 to some of the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because in the scriptures themselves, you think you have eternal life, but it's them that are testifying to you of me. And so literally when he tells Nicodemus, no man's ascended to heaven. In other words, there is none amongst you, no master, no ruler, no prophet, if you will, even through the years. Because even Peter testified of the prophets that they only saw in part and wondered what it was and to who it was they were preaching and prophesying to when it pertained to things of the Messiah. And so he tells Nicodemus, this great ruler, this fabulous saint of God, which is what he would become, uh, he tells him, he says, look, I'm trying to reveal to you something that all this high-level thought process and, and, and concept of God that you think all you guys think that you have. The truth of the matter is, is that you've never ascended into heaven. You mm. haven't gone up into the reaches of the higher realms where the real manifestation and revelation of what's about to take place in your generation has had its origins. No man has ascended into heaven except for what? He says, <laughs> uh, but he that came down from heaven, he's talking about himself. So, <laughs> so he's like, he's trying to tell him, I've come to tell you something, and I've come from heaven, right? right. And and I've got, and I've come to reveal all this stuff to you. And 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 then he goes on and says, and look, man, we ain't got time to get into all this, but he he says, uh, him that's come down for even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. That's why I was laughing when you were laughing. I was like, okay, he's really freaking him out. What are you talking about? What are you <laughs> saying? I mean, how can you be up in heaven or you come down from heaven, but you're here with me, but you're in heaven? What are you talking about? You know, 
And uh, it, it's really cool because basically he began the whole conversation by saying, everything I'm telling you right now, you can't even see it. And you won't even be able to enter into it until you're born again. And you have to be born from above. And now I've brought you to this point in our conversation, and I'm telling you, I came from above. That's just insane. <laughs> That's just incredible. Right? So he's saying, your knowledge is limited. You can't ascend to that place. Not yet. Something has to come before that. And you have to receive it. You have to be born again, and you've got to be born from above. So that's what he goes on to say to him. But but he says, you know, you haven't ascended up to heaven, but I who've come down from heaven. That's literally he's talking about himself. The only person who's ascended to that level is me, and I'm come from there. And then he says this, and look, if you guys go and you Bible students out there, you go look at your commentaries and go way back. Nobody nobody really understands what he means when he says, except for the Son of Man, uh, which is in heaven. It's almost like he's talking about somebody different. But right. in the things that I <laughs> right, but the things that I came to understand uh and the best sense that I can get of what he meant was the son of man. When he uses the term son of man, he's using the term that Daniel the prophet used in Daniel chapter 7 as the the conquering king. Because the son of man comes and and he rules and reigns and puts down all the kingdoms at the end of the world. And so, in essence, he's he's in a way, if you can receive it, referencing uh, that that the judge of all things will have to suffer for all, but will return as the judge of all things. And and, we, and like I said, we could dig into that, but but let's just move on here because that's that's what he's doing, brother. Like you said, he he's confounding this this great sage. But but he's revealing and leading him somewhere. And where he leads him to is verse 14. Can you read verse 14 again, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And, Mo, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's incredible. Again, he uses that phrase, the Son of Man, because he, he's talking about that the judge will take upon himself the judgment in order to become the judge of all things. It's it's pretty deep stuff he's talking mm -hmm. about. So the Lord, you know, he's he he starts directing Nicodemus to an ancient story, man. Um he references Moses and the brazen serpent. In essence, like what he was saying was that Moses was the leadership and what Jesus was revealing was that that leadership would which is represented by Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole and that mm. it was the right and that it was the father yeah. that provided the sacrifice he goes on to say for god so loved the world right so he's literally drawing his attention to that event and in a in a way he's literally paving a way in the future for for nicodemus's repentance because Nicodemus and 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 a, and a select few would would accept him as the Messiah. Some believed on him, right? It said, but they were worried about men's opinions more than God's favor, right? Later in the gospel stories, they would believe, but they had to find a pathway of healing because when the horror would strike those who would come out from the leadership uh, and be saved and become part of the early church, horror would strike them as they realized, as leaders, they crucified the Son of the Living God. 
and, and he's trying to take him in a very deep way to go back and reflect that Moses, which represents the law, which Nicodemus and his his other 69 friends that make up the Sanhedrin are caretakers of that law, became the very thing that created the cross by which uh, the Son of Man would be lifted up on, just as Moses created the serpent and lifted it up in the pole. But it would be the Father in John 3.16 who provides the sacrifice and and I wonder, was Nicodemus at that moment that Jesus said that to him, looking up at the full moon and the ram in the sky, the ram in the bush? Was he thinking about the Passover? Was he thinking about the lamb? You know what? Right. You know what the you know what the Lord knew. He knew that his reference to the brazen serpent, the serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness, uh, that it would it would cause Nicodemus to go back and search the scriptures, man. You know he right. did. Right? Because this is a massive... And we, and, we, and we have insight, you know, into how Jesus interpreted scripture. Yes. And, and, how, and how he was able to see prophecy. Think about that for a moment now. All right? yes. He's able... Because obviously Jesus had to study the scriptures himself. He, he he grew in knowledge, the Bible says, right? And so so he began to see himself in prophecy. And that's yeah. that's really how we have to approach scripture. Yes. And that's what he's telling uh, Nicodemus to do. Is yeah. can you see Jesus in scripture? That was and really and when it comes down to it, that's the flaw of the modern day church. Because mm-hmm. we, we we don't have preachers who are able to teach scripture like Jesus is trying to teach Nicodemus to see scripture. Incredible, good point. Think about think about that yeah. for a moment. That's really <laughs> since we started doing these podcasts, it's 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 trying to get it, because remember the Apostle Paul says that that all these stories have been given to us for in samples. Uh, you right. say examples. Examples is, is is when you communicate something, and then sample is something being dramatized and playing out in the natural that speaks of something spiritual. Praise God. Or something hidden, or something that is yeah. from above, as as what he's talking to Nicodemus here about. So yeah. when he when he points him back to Moses and the and, and the serpent, yeah. that that's what he's trying to get him to see. Is can yeah. you see it? Can you see what is taking place here? And 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 obviously he can't. He already proved that to right. him. You can't see uh, spiritual things because you have not understood the natural thing. That's really spiritual things. Amen. Yeah. That's excellent. That's that's he, exactly. he he corrects him there. He says verily, verily, and and there's a specific reason why he says verily, verily. It's an authoritative truth. And then he says we speak that what we do know right and testify what we do what we do, what we have seen but we have not received ye received not our witness right and yeah. so that, that's why the correction comes you know um, they were just speaking but they have not received the witness that's what we need is the witness uh to speak these things <clears throat> as you're yes, saying and that- and it, yeah, and that's why we use those examples and and that definition of a, in samples is is excellent, brother Fernando, that you gave there. 
And what you're saying, Brother Jeremy, is, is exactly that. He's relating to him. Now, again, he's not relating to some knucklehead like me, right? I mean, he's talking to this, right. this, this incredible doctor of, of, of the word. I mean, uh, this is, uh, we don't even, we don't, like you said, we don't have preachers that would even stand in the shadow of someone like Nicodemus. Seriously. Right. And, and then the Right. And the Lord, and the Lord who is, you know, a trillion miles higher up than him, he's the son of the living God, is talking to him at his level in the way that they have thought only to show him that you're, what you see is not correct and can't be seen. But I'm going to relate to you in, in these ways. He's talking. That's why he says things like, how can these things be? I can't wrap my mind around this. You know, how can this be? And, and he calls him on the carpet and says, you're supposed to be a master, right? And you don't know this? Really? But it's really profound how he's talking to him. But he also knew that being a diligent and godly man, that if he referred to Moses and the serpent, and you know, I, I, you, know you, you guys know my library, right? I got all these amazing historical books and Hebrew books and all this stuff. I went and looked up this brazen serpent. And, and what's amazing, uh, I was reading in it, and 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 none of them, they in one of the commentaries I was reading, I think it was Erdsheim too when he commented on it. He said they didn't understand, and they didn't know what the brazen serpent actually meant. And so I went and looked at the commentaries uh, of them, and found out that they don't know what it means. They kind of skirt the issue to this day. Mm -hmm. But even back then, when the when the commentaries and, and the rabbinic commentaries through the centuries were being developed, every time they come to the story of the brazen serpent, they don't know what it means, and they just kind of go around it. And, and but 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 Nicodemus came to understand it, right? But so Jesus draws his attention because the Lord knew that his reference to it would cause Nicodemus to search the scriptures, and and for those of you who can. Who can uh, who who can study these these things later? He knew that what Nicodemus would do was go back and read about that, because Jesus was trying to to tell him something, and and you'll find that in Numbers chapter twenty, and Numbers chapter twenty one, and there's some powerfully profound things that take place in those stories, and I hope, you know we've been going for an hour and fifteen minutes already, but um. I think that what we will see in Numbers 20, I'll just go briefly over it. In Numbers 20, it gives the account of the death of the high priest, the death of Aaron. And and, and he knew that by referencing by referencing Jesus, uh, referencing the story of the brazen serpent, that, 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 that Nicodemus would go back to that particular passage of Scripture. What leads up to the brazen serpent first begins with the death of Aaron, the high priest. He's commanded to go up into the mountain, and 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 there he dies. But before he dies, uh, Moses takes his son Eliezer, right? He takes Eliezer up to the mountain with his father, and he strips Aaron of his garments and puts them on Eliezer. And Eliezer comes down the mountain with Moses. So Jesus is revealing to him in those stories, like you were just talking about, Brother Fernando. That a, that a high priest would die and a high priest would return from the mountain, you know. <laughs> so it's like the old is dying, is what he was trying mm -hmm. to say. Aaron, you, your whole trip, right? You know, the whole 
a Levitical line, uh, it, 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 it must die. It's coming down. And it's the law that takes it there, right? <laughs> Moses, represented by Moses. And, and it, it's an elevated place because he dies in a mountain, right? But what's going to emerge is a new priest or a new priesthood, Eleazar. You know, it's a veiled reference. Powerful. In the, Powerful right? Yeah. And he says, you know, wow. so you're coming down from the mountain. And Eleazar literally means God has helped. That's what his name means. And in, in the yeah. root word of Eliezer is one like God, a ram. That's what his name means, <laughs> a ram. Praise God. Because we were talking about the constellation over Jerusalem, right? There's a ram in the sky. I mean, Jesus is deep, man. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Eliezer comes down from the mountain. And that's what he's literally saying to, to, to Nicodemus. And he knew he would go back and meditate on those things. Which brings us to Numbers 21. Uh, Nicodemus would read of the fiery serpents, right? Because those fiery serpents came, came and bit Israel because they were complaining. They were so right. close to the promised land at that time. The old generation had died. And some say that Aaron was the last of the old generation to die. And and so they're right close to the, the promised land. And then Moses does a detour and takes them by the Red Sea first. And they begin to complain in Numbers 21 because that's, that's where Jesus told uh, Nicodemus to go look. And, and what he would read in their complaining, because he referenced the brazen serpent, is they, they murmured against God and they murmured against Moses, his servant. And the chief thing that finally got God's attention, uh, if you go back and study it there in Numbers 21, is when they said uh, they complained that they didn't have bread and they complained that they didn't have meat. And then they said, we loathe this manna they started complaining about the bread that came down from heaven. Right. Mm. Oh. And, and that, and that's what he's talking. He's talking to Nicodemus about that. That's because he knew he'd go back and read the story. And, and, and he had already said, no one's ascended to heaven except from he that came down from heaven. And when Nicodemus began to read that, it, 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 the Holy spirit began to suddenly burst into his his moment of clarity and say, my God, we rejected the bread that came down from heaven, you know, and, 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 wow. and the sin or the fiery serpents have begun to, to bite, right? The sin, because that's really what it is. Many would die from those fiery serpents, which again, we encourage the listener to look at it in numbers 21, uh, but their salvation and their healing and their forgiveness <laughs> would be in looking at the brazen serpent on the pole. Now, right. many of them died, but those who looked at the pole lived. And I think what he, was, what he would go on to understand in the book of Acts later, after Jesus rose from the dead and all that, Nicodemus uh, would understand that, that those that died would be like the nation of Israel who, who rejected him, their sin, right. and they would die as a result of it. But there would be those who would actually receive what he did on Calvary, and live and become the very first believers in the church. Great and that's what, he was re that's what he was revealing to him in verse 15 when he says, so whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, e eternal life, wow. verse 15. Oh, God. Incredibly profound. He was revealing grace to Nicodemus at such deep levels. 
and he began by referring him uh, to how you so beautifully put it, brother, brother Fernando, in samples, you know, dramatic events that teach us something. And so when they would park that and night, he, and, he, and he gave him, he gave him, he just gave him that one key. Yes. To go unlock that story, which which would bring salvation to him. Incredible. Yes. You know, he just he it just, is just reminded him of one little you know uh, event. That was it. And he yes. said, if you're really searching. And you're gonna go search what I just said to you, and he knew he would, right? Because he was a, yes, he he was a master of of, of, of the Jewish people. He was well versed in these things. So incredible how how Jesus, you know, his love, his love for Nicodemus. Yes, right. And, and he he didn't really expound a lot to him. He just gave him, you know, a, covertly a key. You know, yes. <laughs> like since you yes. you know he came in the middle of the night. I know who you know. You know I know the kind of people you belong to, but here, I'm going to give you something. Yes. You know, I'm going to give you something to study and and, and powerful, what's hidden in, in there, and, and really the whole gospel, the whole gospel yes. of salvation. Incredible. Everything. And that, yeah. That's encouraging because that, that process of, of Nicodemus, you know, we're, we all go through that process. We understand yeah. that this wasn't just an overnight thing. Oh, I want to go see Jesus, as you mentioned in the last two podcasts. It was a process, maybe about over maybe twenty-eight years, just, yeah. just seeing, you know, because Jesus was mentioned and he was in their talks amongst them, and all of this began to develop until something shook him. Which what uh, I, I think that that's that's what you were saying, Brother Marty, the day before when Jesus cleansed the temple, you know. And, yeah. you know, everything that he went through, every, the process to get to this point. And, and yes, it's Jesus is, 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 is talking to him directly. But at the end, we see that he receives the word, right? Because of yes. the other acts that, that we see. But it, it, it's a beautiful process uh, that we can all see our, ourselves in, how yeah. the Lord directs us. And, and really, when he directs him to Moses, he's really directing him right to the gospel, that is the gospel. Amen. The serpent man. So. That's awesome, man. And I think that, that, you know, in our times that we find ourselves in, you know, we're, we're headed into this weekend where, where this country, which is torn apart, where the church is wandering in the wilderness, complaining about this and that and the other, and they have no clue what's taking place. The the ministers mm-hmm. are masters in, in America, and, and they don't know these things. <laughs> There it is. There it is. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, God is speaking and saying, "Your answer is is still found at Calvary." <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. And that's, you know, you hear the Lord's heart. You know, which is where we'll pick it up tomorrow. Uh, he said, "God so loved the world, man." That's what he told Nicodemus. Yeah. He so yeah. loved the world, and. Uh, and Nicodemus would come to find that out. Uh, you know, when the Lord died on Calvary, I wonder if as he walked up Calvary to take him down from the cross with Arimathea, Joseph of Arimathea, Mary and John, and the women that had gathered there, and they took him from the cross and uh, and wrapped his body. I wonder as he approached that cross, did, did, did his mind go back to three and a half years earlier? When the Lord told him. And the Lord told him, 
like Moses was lifted up, lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Yes. I I know he he remembered. Yes. And when he and when he laid him in his tomb, uh, you know we don't realize, but it says he brought about a hundred pounds of spices. You know, for those who do a little historical study, only kings were buried like that, man. Only yes. kings. Yes. And by the time Nicodemus laid him in that tomb, he knew this is the king, the one and the only true king. Thank God for Hallelujah. his grace. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Jeremy, would you close this out? My, 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 what a beautiful way to close. Getting a vivid picture of Calvary, of that verse that you just mentioned, Brother Marty, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is an offer of salvation, of love that is still available and is still on the table. Someone is listening, and if you have not made Jesus your decision, maybe you walked away, that Mm -hmm. offer is still on the table for you. He loves you. He loves you, and he salvation is there still for you. All you have to do is reach out and and repent from your sins and make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. What a beautiful story of the gospel. What a beautiful story of development of 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 how God brings this man Nicodemus to a place where he realizes and encounters Jesus Christ and his life changes forever. We praise God for today's podcast. We pray that you've been blessed. We pray that you would join us tomorrow as we continue on this journey in this conversation at night between Nicodemus and Jesus. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and keep looking up.